Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Objectivity should be a staple of journalism, and Pat Forty has distinguished himself as an objective reporter. But today, in part two of our conversation, we're going to discuss an instance where objectivity went out the window for Pat. Let's get to it. Objectivity in journalism means a reporter's role is to help the audience make up their own mind about a story, providing the facts and then empowering them to interpret those facts. The reporter's feelings or opinions should not be evident in an objective story. Pat Forty learned the importance of objectivity at the respected journalism school at the University of Missouri, but there are exceptions to every rule, and Pat recently experienced and enjoyed one when he had the incredible opportunity to cover the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, where his daughter Brooke not only competed, but shined. Your daughter competing at the Olympics, winning a silver medal, you being there to witness it, your name being called by Caleb Dressel. Have you like come back down to earth yet? <laughs> a little bit, but not fully. I mean, it's just been this summer. I, I've said it over and over. I mean, we are quite literally living the dream this summer. You know, I mean, for her to make the Olympic team after a really, you know, a difficult COVID year, just, I mean, everybody had a difficult COVID year. Hers, I think, was among the more difficult I've heard about. So for her just to make the team was just such an amazing reward for her and such a thrill. And then for her to go to Tokyo and be part of that team and me to get to go, that's where you want to talk about good fortune and luck. And, you know, for once being, and I shouldn't say for once, but being a sports writer, just being the profession to have, you know, uh, I mean, where I get to be there and all these other people don't, I mean, you know, Caleb Dressel's family's watching from a couch in Orlando and the Ledeckis are watching wherever they are and Kevin Durant's family and Simone Biles family, none of them can be there and I can be there. So I was unbelievably fortunate, but still, it, yeah, I guess the, pro, the processing it has been a step-by-step -step thing, you know, seeing her just come home and she did a couple signings here locally for the club team she was with and having all these little kids just come up with their eyes so wide and looking at that silver medal, you know, and, and then the parents like, Hey, I want to see the medal too. <laughs> so it's been, it's been just a, a ton of fun and I hope it never fully sets in actually. Well, and I saw in one of those articles how 13 years before she was that little girl, right, where there was an Olympian at her her swimming club, right, that that yep. was an Olympian. And yep. uh, she got like an autograph and a picture. Yep. Same thing. You know, I mean, got to see it to be it, as they say. You know, I mean, it really does help, I think, and gives people some aspiration. And we're lucky. I mean, the, our little club in Louisville, Kentucky, has now produced 11 Olympians. My daughter's the 11th one. So it's wow. a great legacy. I really admired your approach to your daughter in that when she was competing, you weren't going to have the reporter hat on. But sometimes I find that because, you know, we, we go into different modes, right? Because I, I don't think people understand how demanding like deadlines are that, that we face. I mean, it's super stressful. And so my ability to analyze and see things when I'm in that mode is something. Was there a temptation to sort of experience 
your daughter's sort of competitive time in that way, you know, as a reporter? Or did you just, it, obviously it weighed more for you just to say, no, I want to do this as a dad. Yeah, but but here's what helped me and has helped me the whole time, I think, is that in terms of dealing with nervous, I write down all the stats, all the facts and figures, like a reporter, basically. You know, I mean, like I, I write down all her splits and I did the same thing with the boys and I write down the times in the other heats. It gives me something to do other than sit there and say, oh, my gosh, I hope this is going to go well. <laughs> so, you know, that's when she swam. I was writing down her splits and I knew exactly what her splits were from Omaha from Olympic trials. So I could tell, you know, was she going faster or slower and that sort of thing. And that I think does help keep me kind of calm and present more than anything so that I can, you know, I can watch it and really enjoy it and feel emotional, but I also without totally losing my mind to, so to speak. I think we both would agree that being a sports writer is definitely a dream job, but having covered two Olympics myself, Athens and Beijing, I don't think the average fan just understands how demanding our schedule is. Like when I covered the Olympics for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, I mean, I worked 18 to like 22 hours a day for the entire month. I mean, I slept like three hours, four, four hours a night um, and I loved it. Right. I, I definitely would do that. How challenging was it for you covering the Tokyo Olympics with your daughter physically there? I mean, that's such a unique sort of thing. Um, was that distracting in some ways for you or was that more special? To have her yeah, there? Uh, well, I mean, it was, it was, yes, it was a thousand times more special for sure. Um, because first of all, I mean, my kids in the Olympics, it's just ridiculous. But secondly, you know, I could sit in the in press seating and look across the way and, you know, the stand, the stadium is empty except for the other teams. And so I could see her reacting to the races and cheering for her team, which was really cool. And I could watch her get in the pool and warm up even on the day she wasn't swimming. They all did that. And so that was, you know, that was just a really cool element to it. And I could text her, you know, we were texting back and forth across the arena about things that were happening. So, you know, I mean, that, that part was, yeah, it was really neat. And the, yeah, the grind is, is amazing for the Olympics. It's more than anything else that I think you're going to cover. I, I distinctly remember, I think it was in Sydney sitting on waiting on like a 4am bus, leaving the basketball venue. And Steve Simmons from the Toronto star says the best line I've heard yet said the only thing worse than covering the Olympics is not covering the Olympics. <laughs> like you want to be there, but boy, you better sign up for a lot of work. And yeah. basically my, my Tokyo schedule was get on the 7am bus to go get on the other bus to get to the arena. And then I'm there until you're hoping to catch the right buses back to be back by like 11 PM. So that's, you know, 16 hours a day. You're hoping you can make those buses. But the other thing that the, kind of kept this Olympics down a little bit to a, a more manageable deal was the COVID shutdown. You know, it's not like you can't go out to eat. So you're not going to do that. You're not getting on the subway to ride around and see anything. So you are just working and you're hanging out at your hotel and you're going to the venue. Mm -hmm. But uh, there, there, I mean, there's no doubt that at least having the, the chance to be there in the same thing, watching the event with my kid was was just fantastic. Yeah. My last question about the Olympics, uh, just loved your tweets and your reports, especially related to your daughter and the U.S. swim team. But when I saw you in like the mix zone with her, 
And at some point you had said that you couldn't hug her and it just didn't seem right. Was that difficult as a dad not to be able to celebrate such a special thing without, you know, actually being able to hug your child? Yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely was. You know, I mean, thankfully, I, I got to right after she qualified at Olympic trials, you know, so that was wonderful. But at the Olympics, yeah, I mean, they got barriers in between us. I, I can't get to her if I want to unless I want to get arrested. So the one time that was really hard with that. So she swims and I did run down in the mix zone and I got, I got to talk to her from five feet away. And um, then I think it was the next day we went and did an interview with CBS in the main press center. And they made us sit in two different seats, five feet apart, you know, and they, she's got the medal. And I just wanted to, I mean, you know, God, it's great to see you. Congratulations. And, and wrap your arms around her. And they wouldn't let me. <laughs> I was like, I grabbed her shoulder while I was walking by to go sit in my chair six feet away. So that was as close as I could get. Wow. Your children all competed collegiately in swimming, following your wife Trisha's lead. What was your and her approach in encouraging and pushing them in sports? You know, I mean, I think the main thing was, first of all, just, I mean, you're going to do something. You're going to be active. You know, the, 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 there was not, op, sitting around the house was never an option, especially with my wife. She's a, she's a school teacher. Uh, she's a big believer in healthy mind, healthy body, and just being out and doing things outdoors. Um, the TV is rarely on in our house. Video games were rarely on in our house. And so, you know, there was always going, they were going to be doing something and they played, as I said, everything. And I helped coach football, basketball, terrible baseball coach, but I did some, some other stuff too. And so I, you know, it was always going to be, we're going to do things and, you know, you don't have to, but, but if you're on the team, you're going to practice. Okay. You know, it's not, you're not going to half hard it. All right. It's where you're just, Oh, I don't feel like going today. I mean, if you're sick, fine. If you're hurt, fine. But I don't, we don't didn't want to hear, I don't feel like going. Okay. So if you're on the team, you're going to go and you're going to do it. And if at the end of the season, you didn't like it, that's fine, but don't no quitting during the season either. See it out, stick it out. So that was kind of the, the modus operandi there. And then um, my wife has also was been great with just scheduling. You know, so, I mean, things got done and you, you, you went to practice, you come, we would come home, we'd sit here, we'd eat together as a family. And then it was straight to homework uh, and then to bed. And if you have time after that, you can maybe watch something on TV or look at something on the computer. But, but the priorities were very well set uh, in terms of, of how things were going to work there. But, you know, fortunately, the kids all dove right in. I mean, they, they loved the vast majority of things they did. And eventually sometimes they got into a little bit too much multitasking where you're trying to play two sports at a time or even three. And especially Clayton, the middle child, he would say, this is too much for me. It's like, okay, fine. We, you know, something has to go. We will, we will let something go. Um, but, but we encouraged them to try pretty much everything. Just like you did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, play it all. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast, subscribe, and share. And don't forget, you can contact me through my website, seankjensen.com. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you next time.